Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. Garrett May here alongside with Josh Nickel. And with us today, we've got Josh Binstock, Olympian in the sport of beach volleyball at the Olympics. Welcome, Josh. Now, before we get into this, I got to remind everybody, we are on YouTube as well. So thank you all for listening. If you're watching, the two of you out there, thank you for watching. We're on YouTube, Sharp Cuts Volleyball. Nobody even knows about it. We started it. It's out there. Go subscribe. Hit us up in the comments below because things are going to get spicy today. I mean, maybe. I mean, Josh looks raring to go, but uh, that's where we can have some conversation and stuff like that. So, Josh, and when I say Josh, I need to now be specific who I'm talking to. Right. <laughs> Double Josh. Yes. Okay. Josh Nickel, you know how unorganized I am. So where are we starting today? You told me before and I already forgot. Well, Garrett, I think it was it was a fun ride to the Olympics, but I think it all kind of crashed on that one day where it was just like gut check time for Canada. So why don't we cover maybe beach first at the Olympics then we can cover our indoor guys. But man, what a ride. But it, it all just kind of hit like a wall that one day. And, and I was at the beach training when the games are going on. But it was kind of a cool vibe because the kids in the camps would be yelling at their coaches. What's the score? And then they'd yell back 13 10 and everybody be like, oh, like it was just kind of cool that like even though we weren't watching the game, everybody on the beach was like invested and wanted the score update. So it was kind of cool that way but obviously not the outcome we wanted but it was just a cool community feel knowing that like even though the, the time zone didn't work for a lot of people people were invested and i'm sure a lot of people found time to maybe get away from work and watch it live or, or at least feel like they were invested so even though it wasn't the outcome we wanted i thought it was a cool vibe at least at ashford is okay so just to summarize for our listeners out there team canada indoor men loss in the quarterfinal both beach volleyball teams losses in the quarterfinal on the same day at the Olympics. Josh Binstock, just your immediate reaction, just the emotions around watching that happen to Team Canada. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I've been nervous uh, not playing. That was the first time I've been watching and felt some, some you know, butterflies in there and kind of can't look and stuff. So, yeah, back to what you're saying, Josh, and being invested. Um, didn't matter if, you know, myself or, you know, amateurs coming up. I think all the country kind of rallied together and was, uh, you know, emotional uh, invested in that. So it was kind of cool to see. I mean, that's we love sport. We hate it because of what it does to us. But in the, in the end, it's like, you know, there's nothing that can uh, bring that out in a, a community, in a country. And uh, that's going to totally, I think, pay dividends for the next generation to come because I think there's going to be a wave of, of athletes that are being like, holy, Canada can actually do well in the world quarterfinals. is pretty legit. Well, that's very nice of you, Josh and Josh. Both of you, great comments, really Canadian, bringing it together. But I mean, we lost. We came fifth. Like, what the heck, boys? Like, I'm disappointed. You guys are all, oh, it's good. Classic Canadian style talking about how, yeah, bringing everybody together. No, we freaking lost fifth. All three teams within 12 hours, we lose fifth place at the Olympics. Like, am I the only one who's losing it over here? Yeah, that day, that's a, that. Yeah, in that time zone, that's like a, that's, you know, you're down, then you kick it down, and another down, and another stomp. Yeah, that's that's a tough timing for sure. So so nobody's upset. Josh, you look you like well, let's pick a game. Okay, let's pick one and let, let's be upset. So let's go Heather and Brandy first. I think overall a fifth at the Olympics, like I, if I were them, I'd be happy. I know they have high expectations and they've medaled. Well, we know if you the were the them, world, you'd be happy, but, but you are not I, them. I would be 
I'd be happy with a fifth. I mean, everyone's like, oh, they lost to Latvia. That Latvia team's not nobody. Like, they've made two semifinals just this year. Uh, when we were actually in China at an Olympic qualifier event, they beat Heather and Brandy in pool play. Like, they're, they're not nobodies. They didn't come out of nowhere, in my opinion. And Tina, actually, a lot of uh, NCAA fans would recognize her as a USC player. Like, she's she's legit, right? So, I mean, that, that was, I mean, maybe the easiest quarterfinal, we could argue. But at the end of the day, I think, like, a fifth for Heather and Brandy, I think that's that's a good result, considering how they've done the last year, I think. Yeah, I mean, you think, like you said, expectations. I feel like that as a country outside and then the athletes' expectations. I think that literally plays a huge factor because you ask, I don't know, and now we're getting a little spicy. We'll have to ask each team after, but you ask Mel, Sarah, and Brandy and Heather, you go into each and be like, we'd well, be happy with a fifth. Of course, you want to win. Of course, you want to be gold. But um, I think, you know, one team might be happier than the other based on expectations. I think they both think they could win and they could. But in terms of expecting, um, yeah, I think that's what makes, you know, the teams play well. So you guys are saying that you think maybe in this Bansley-Wilkerson match against Latvia, there was maybe some satisfaction creeping in that, hey, we made fifth, we're okay, that that somehow played a part in it. Is that what you guys are saying? I don't know if it played a part in it. I think just reflecting back right now, I think like that's that's a good result. Like you can say I, I finished fifth at the Olympics. Like I think their well, their maybe we should ask was Marquise probably... and John Child how they feel about <laughs> fifth place at the Olympics because they got a couple of them, and I'm sure they'd say they hate it. That's right. true. And but I mean, was, getting yeah. out of pool, Heather and Brandy had a very tough pool. Like they didn't have an easy road. I think their round of 16 was super competitive. I mean, we can get into that a little bit later, but I think like their road, it wasn't easy. So I think looking back, like they, they competed. I think they did everything they could. Yeah. And it's the way they lost, I guess, was, uh, I think, you know, you're always going to win or lose, but depending on, is it some errors or did another team beat you? And you know, I think that we all know volleyball well enough to know that I think we made a little bit more on first errors and Latvia did make a couple more stops in the end. But, um, you know, I think that it's, it's when you look back and you've because I've been there where I've kind of given a game away or a team's taken it from me. And, you know, it's a little easier. It's never tough, but it's easier to be like, well, you know, they they earned it versus I kind of gave it away. And I think if we uh, watch back, I think just a little bit more errors on our side. And that was the difference. Yeah, I mean, I would generally agree. And I think we all know these four ladies as well. So it's a little bit tough for us to be mega critical because we're all super supportive of them. We know them personally. They're, they, I don't know if they're listening. They're probably not huge fans of the show, but we don't want anybody to say, hey, you talk shit about me. It's like, okay, no, no. We all <laughs> wish them well, wish them to succeed. But I think I'll take it even one step further, Josh. I think Heather and Brandy absolutely, when they look back at that one, are not going to be satisfied. They're going to look back and say, We had a beatable team in the quarterfinal to get to medal rounds and we gave it away. Like, I I don't I don't see another way around it. I mean, you can say that the Latvian team is very talented. They do some good stuff because they do. That's still true. But, you know, we're talking about Brandy and Heather, who played so well. Heather was automatic in that pre in the pre-quarter round of 16. Those line rolls, she was pounding by the block and then just maybe some nerves. I don't know what it was, but we were making some errors. And then Brandy and the British announcers, by the way, I don't know why Mark and Claire, our Canadian announcers, were not doing that game. No idea yeah. why. Like CBC dropping the ball. Absolutely on that. Can we just talk about that? Holy. Where was our own announcers on that match? 
Yeah, I would have loved to have heard Mark's comments and, and t- perspectives on that 100%. So Mark goes into a hotel. We have him on the show. He goes into a hotel and he's sitting there just waiting to be called. And they don't call him <laughs> for the two quarterfinal games of the Olympics. Are you kidding me? Talk about you being eaten up. He, that's his loss, right? He's going to be losing his yeah, mind. Yeah, Mark's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> that was his time to shine. He didn't get the call up. Mark, sorry if you're listening. I mean, hey, my apologies. But, that. I, I mean, the, the stat that the British so- announcer was bringing, that we got the British feed, I guess, um, was that Brandy missed 50% of her serves on the match, uh, was what he was saying. She, she did. She did. I have the stats in front of me. She did. Oh, jo- and- okay, Josh got the numbers right there. Damn. Legit, she missed 10 serves and Heather missed three. Latvia missed eight as a team. But like I, when you kind of say like, oh, we made more errors and then we gave it away. Latvia had a better hitting percentage, a better first ball side out by like 10 percent. Uh, and Brandy got tooled almost 60 percent of the time when they challenged her block. So, I mean, we can say, oh, we missed so many serves. We did this. Latvia played a very aggressive style. They were not intimidated by Brandy, where a lot of other teams start to avoid her. And that plays into our style because Heather's wicked fast. She's going to convert digs to kill. She's going to do all that stuff where Latvia was trying to blow them up. Like you can watch that third set back. Like they blew up Heather twice. They hit it off Brandy. Like I think they hit it off Brandy for match point. Like they were super aggressive. So to say that, like, we kind of let it slip away. I, I think you could argue both ways. I, obviously, they're between the lines, but I think I think that the stats would support that Latvia earned that as well. Well, I guess. But Josh, if you Binstock, if you got 60 tooled 60 percent of the time when you're at the net blocking, like you'd be pissed. You'd re- those are blockable balls. It's not like I mean, maybe there are some are good hits, but you <laughs> can block that. career office. Is it the blocker's mistake? Or are you earning it when you crank <laughs> off block? Well, I like- mean, sometimes for sure it's an attacker's great shot. But 60 percent of the time, if they're touching your hands, I mean, you got to get some more of those, right? Well, Garrett made a career of it because he kept changing his timing. I don't know if she did that. And I uh, did. Hey, and it hey, looked not like- on purpose. That was not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know where I was going. I didn't no, know where yeah, I was going. That's Nobody part of it. Stop it. Uh, if I was like, you know, it did look very humid. And when you're playing in humid conditions, you're not going to get those sticky blocks. So now you actually have to be set and pressed a millisecond earlier and I don't know, you know, if that's something that they thought about um, in moment. That's, the, you know, the beauty of our sport is that you can't really get coached. So you got to make those calls yourself. But, you know, what? I'm not a stats guy. I'm, I'm kind of I am a little bit to in a point, but I don't really care about stats, about amount of serves as timing of miss serves. Mm. When do you miss the serves? OK, you can miss all. I remember playing the Dutchies. I feel like Brower Muse and these guys would hammer serves. Missed a bunch of serves at the beginning and then and near the end, they're like, OK, put it in. You know what that kind of does? It actually doesn't let the other team get in a rhythm. But then when it's third set late in the third, you got to put it in. There's no I mean, let's, you know, sorry. so Brandy missed half and they only earned on 20 percent of her serve. So that's not getting it done where the Dutch example is a perfect one where they're going to miss like 30 percent, but they're going to earn 45 percent. Right. Like they're, they're when it's inbounds, they're like 50 50. Right. Okay, so, so Josh, Vince just difference. said he's not a stats guy, but then Nickel just immediately throwing some stats, Way over him, which I love. Way just over. pummel him with it over his head. Hey, you don't like stats? Well, Nickel's got a ton here. Come at it. <laughs> You'll love stats before the end of the yeah, show. Hey, forty-five percent. I think the guy. The stats are with him. I'm. Hey, I'm with Josh on this one. <laughs> with Josh. Well played. well played. I'm gonna maybe pull that out again a few more times on this episode, guys. So I hope it doesn't get old. <laughs> me, okay. you, you, him. We're like met at the Roxbury here. Which Josh? Yeah, me, absolutely. You. Him, me, him, you, yeah. me, him. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll never yeah. know. Um, I, overall, I think pretty disappointing. Uh, just generally for them, I, I, I think it's funny that the topic was brought up of like the, you know, being okay with fifth, because I don't know about you guys, but when I'm watching that match, I am not, that is not a thought I'm thinking at the end. 
I, like I'm, I'm thinking I'm pissed and I'm imagining them like, you know, are you going to get another chance to be back in a quarterfinal of the Olympics? Like this Olympics almost didn't happen. Right. So like, that's kind of the sad part for me is like, Heather's been around a long time. Is Heather going to make another run? I don't know. You know, Brandy's still, obviously you would think got a lot of years left, but who's she going to play with? I mean, we might talk a little bit about that with like a Brandy Mel partnership in the future. I don't know. I'm, I'm not that maybe that's swirling around, but does that work the whoa, same? Whoa, like, whoa. I don't know. Did we just spread a rumor or break news? Which one? No, is I'm absolutely official? starting a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to flow and grow. And hey, if it happens, you, you heard it here first. Let's say you called it before everybody. It's manifesting. Okay. So we're talking about, though, the, it, being happy with fifth. But when we talk about Mel and Sarah, who lost that match against, I think, a better team and a team who played better, would be my opinion, in that Australian team in the quarterfinal. I mean, it's a totally different situation. They're the world champions. They got to have expected gold, right? So, I mean, yeah. you got to say we're disappointed and feeling hurt there. Well, I think Melissa's own comments on this show, Garrett, kind of influenced my expectations for them because we we congratulate her for doing well. And she's kind of like, oh, well, we're not doing that well, because when when they take a ninth, they're not happy. Right. So we kind of got them off that Cancun event where they did realistically really well. But to their standards, she's like, you know, it's not going so well right now. And I was like, oh, OK, so they they do have like podium expectations every time. Right. So and with their their track record, I think it is a little bit harder to take that. Like, yeah, I don't think it was unrealistic to expect them to be a podium team. Okay, so there you go. Going back to expectations. And like you said, Garrett, yeah, those that team, Australia, I feel, yeah, played unbelievable and probably better than Latvia did. So I don't know the stats, Josh, you wouldn't know. How many no, times we don't care about stats. stats. Forget the stats. Yeah, we don't need that's them. true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Out the window. I'm already I'm already succumbing to the, to the, town, <laughs> the stats. Um, how many times have they played each other? This do you know the uh, Mel and Sarah against Australia? Uh oh, well, let me get into it here. Well, the British uh, announcers were saying once. Oh, okay. Nah, it's got to be more than that. But I don't know. Maybe that's once within the last few tournaments. I don't Who know. Is that? Lizzie? Did we not play them in Cancun? I feel like we played them like recently. Did we not? I like how you're saying we and including Josh and I in that we because we oh, yeah. absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> I crushed them. Yeah, we were Garrett, all over that. If these commercials have taught me anything, we are all Team Canada. There you go. <laughs> I mean, we are. Then, hey, I was on that 200 meter final running for that gold medal with my medal. Grass. That was basically me. Right. I, absolutely. Yeah, I want my medal. All right. Let me check out BVB, the unofficial source of this show of all my volleyball. Either way, what's your point while there, Josh? Yeah. While you're doing that, the reason I asked that is because I'm not going to ask the teams who expected to win because you always go in there expected to win. But I bet you the overall consensus of expectation of the world or people is that Mel and Sarah is going to win. Right. So you go into a game, you know, everybody's expecting us to lose. So what do we got to lose? Let's just go out there and ball out, take risks we might not take. Let's be aggressive. Go for it. Because you know what? If it doesn't work out, we're supposed to lose anyways. And when people play with that mindset, it's like almost it's way easier to succeed than go in there expecting to win. Because then it's like, you know, you get a little tighter. A little, like we had that against uh, Grand Sam for that Olympic qualification match. You know, we were down like 13 in the third and they are just playing like unbelievable balls. Like where are these shots coming from? We played them, you know, five, six times previously, beat them every time. Everybody's expecting us to win. Boom. They come out the gate, bombing aces, attacking. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, uh, this is not going well. And the moment that changed is when we called a timeout at 13, eight and they went from having nothing to lose to everything. And then 
they that wasn't like we played any different to be honest you can see it on tv it so josh kind of, i just gotta ask we did haven't you come played on the them show, that frequent did you come on the show to talk about all your previous successes and victories and another is time that, actually you know, yeah, that yeah. Here, i'm just right? curious because i know you got yeah. a lot so i mean i'm happy yeah, 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 i'm happy exactly. with the inside scoop yeah there was another time we were in the podium oh yeah okay <laughs> josh did you get it or no uh, it doesn't look like we play them that often. We played them in the Gold Coast uh, Championship, so that, that would have been in like a majors game final and beat them 21-19-22-20, so very evenly yeah, matched. Um, we lost to them at a World Tour Finals in 2018, so they, they don't actually cross paths very often. For some reason, I thought they played each other in Cancun, but I believe that was Heather and Brandy would have played Australia in Cancun, I guess. Okay, so, so not much. But the expectations... Yeah, I will sure. say that like Taliqua, as far as a player on the world tour, though, she has the ability to take matches over. And you saw that with her ability to serve their two ball was a problem. Like Australia, like hand sets it pretty wide. Like they do some things that I think are a tough matchup for any team. And I think it just exposed Canada a little bit that uh, I'm not saying Mel and Sarah had an easy path. It just looked like they were in control. They had the plan, like they were the ones making adjustments. And then you play this team that does something that maybe nobody else on the world does right now. Like I think Australia is that unique and it, it kind of threw a wrench into things a little bit. Well, actually, you know what? I think this format of the Olympics, one every two games, is ideal for their style. Because I remember even when I played, classic, they would do that. They would go wide, they'd hit on two, they'd crush every ball. It was so energy taxing. But when you got one every two games, it's fine. I mean, when you're in an actual tournament, I don't know if you can do that all the time. And so, actually, that would be if they execute that style. Nobody else does it like them. You're right. Right. Like, you got to play two or three games in a day. Are you going to be crushing on two and ripping spin serves every time? No. Where you got a full day's rest and lead up to this quarter you're going to rip a spin serve literally every time you're ready for that to explosive. i mean that's a good point and i mean we, we talked about a little bit in the lead up to the olympics about how that extra day is going to maybe give an advantage to some of the more physical teams and to yeah. you're right is one of the more physical players on tour for sure i thought that would help mal and sarah as well though like to be physical and for sarah to really dominate and be present up there and she had a few blocks but i i, I did really like and hate the game plan Australia's game plan against Canada in terms of who they were serving because I'd watched Mel and Sarah a lot this year. We got a lot of chance to see them at the Cancun events and stream some online with the volleyball world stuff. So we got a lot of chances to watch these teams play, which we never did before. And the only times I'm seeing Mel and Sarah lose, it's not Sarah being served every ball, but it's Sarah getting maybe 30%. For 30, 40% of the serves, right? You're mostly going to Mel, but then you're peppering every three over to Sarah. Hey, you ready to go? You still there? You still present? And then you get one on her, you go back to Mel, you leave her cooking over there. And that seemed to me to be what Australia did is they were just serving tough in certain situations. Sometimes it would go to Sarah. They were trying to get it to Mel, but sometimes it would go to Sarah and they'd work and get a steal on them. And it seemed to work well, which I, I just absolutely hated because I'd seen that story happen before when they'd lost in some of the other tournaments we'd watched them play. Uh, earlier this year well with two guys who have played in clutch matches and tough matches like is it not almost comfortable to bang the seam like australia did it felt like every time it got tight and they needed like a, a stop they would bang the seam and <laughs> they were getting aces like in the third set they got a couple aces where sarah and Monell like collided a little bit where like it's one thing to like target a player but sometimes you serve a muffin at them in those tough moments where it looked like they were just going to serve really really hard into the seam and they got some points out of it that's all i ever did bang yeah. seam. <laughs> it was <laughs> literally my only game yeah, good things are going to happen when you bang the sea and there's no way around it. So, Josh, we talked about this 
Josh Benstock. We talked about this with Mark um, because I felt like in both of these matches, Mel and Brandy, I could maybe see some nerves creeping in. Mel seemed a little bit trying to force her positive energy. Brandy and Heather, I could see there was some just stress happening there in those matches. I'm curious because we talked about it with Mark in the lead up to the Olympics, asking him because he's been to three of them. Or is it, yeah, he went to three of them um, and how dealing with the pressures of the media and all that. And he he kind of talked about expecting it and being prepared and not trying to normalize everything, but just being ready for it and dealing with it as it comes. I'm curious your thought, because you've been to the Olympics and you've had to deal with that same thing. Did you find that you felt those nerves as well? And were you prepared for them? Did you try to normalize things like what was the strategy there? And did you see that same sort of thing happening with uh, with our Canadian women? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the it's weird because there's no fans. But the cool thing about that is you can hear every little movement, speech, especially in the timeouts. Camera's oh, yeah. right in your grill, you know. So hearing what they're saying and how they're saying it. Uh, side note, I'll come back to that. I even love the I love watching Jake and Try. I was like pulling for those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, Jake, it's like had a tough match, whatever. He looks same thing. Sarah, a little bit of gas maybe at the end. And he turns to try, you know, the vet and he says, how are we going to score? You know? And at that moment, do you be like, you panic or whatever? And then I love it. Try looks at him. He's like, simple. You're going to block. It was amazing. Like I, that's the only way to go. You just got to pump his tires. So back to what you were saying with you force energy, is it forced or is, you know, there's that fine line of, of, uh, support, but, um, yeah, it's, I actually talked to Mark about that going into my first uh, continental match, right? Ashbridge's Bay playing against, uh, red and Ben. And I was like, Oh my God, my friends and family are going to be there. I've been working so hard. If I lose, I'm out of the Olympics and panicking, couldn't even eat that day, barely slept. Um, and he, he told me that he was like, don't, you know, cause he's there. That was the first time I think anybody in the world has done that. And I think a few countries are doing that now. Yeah. So, you know, the media was like asking people, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I see people just saying, Oh, it's another game. He's like, no, own that pressure. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then he told me obviously his story. And I mean, I think he felt that cause he was playing with the ultimate gamer, like Charles just, you know, Mr. Get it. Okay, done. So he told you the story he told us. Yes. Oh yeah. I think him he losing told everybody the first game. Yeah. And all the everybody in the room on him, that same story. If you okay. want to hear the full version, it's on the Marquis episode on the Passing Guys podcast. We also have it out there. I, I share it quite often. Wait, he so told it to us listeners. twice? He's been he's told it on Sharp Cuts. He's told it on Passing Guys. Oh, and he told it to John. It's a recycled story, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If you want to hire Marquis to be a public speaker at any of your events, that story will come up as well. Okay. He's got it down pat. <laughs> but if it's your first time hearing it, you're fired up. But then when you hear it somewhere else, you're like, hey, I thought that was just me. <laughs> Hey, it's the same story. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Verbatim. So did but it, it work? for me because it was the first time. Yeah, you know. And, did it work? Did uh, you do it and like, did it work? Yeah, it, we uh, couldn't have, play, you know, played better because, I mean, I don't know if it was all because of him. We did a lot of other good things, but no, was at least it helped, wasn't it? For sure. So I'll go, I'll go half to him. Right. So when you're watching, cause I've never had to really deal with that. I mean, the, the biggest thing I have is the world championships, but I went to five of those. Like it seemed like there was one for the juniors, right? The junior world championships. And it was like, yeah, it's a pressure packed moment, but it's not like it's the end of your career. It's not like, you know, you, you, sometimes you got gifted the opportunity. It wasn't even, you didn't even need to earn it for in some cases. So I, I don't think it's even near the Toronto. same thing. So I'm curious when you're watching Toronto guy going to worlds. Yeah. Like, yeah. Gotta be Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. we're in the center of the universe. I understand. I get that. Yes, well, it hey, be. don't be telling Logan that. Okay, don't be. See the last <laughs> episode. Okay, we're. I mean, let's. 
Wow. Let's do an East versus West showdown. Forget provincial championships. East versus West. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave. Or, well, Ontario versus the world, maybe. I think everybody would get yeah. on board for that. Like, oh, <laughs> everybody versus Ontario and everyone's down. And I mean, I get it. That's right. But when yeah, you're we'll watching, Josh, are you because you can hear them. My impression was is that they weren't really dealing with it that well. They didn't seem prepared, both teams, to be in a tight game, in a competitive match, um, in such high stakes, right? Like the match that Heather and Brandy played against uh, Sponsel and Clace, they almost, it was almost like they were the underdog there, which, because they'd lost a few pool play games, they were the lower seed coming up. They played a little bit more free. It was still tight. But then against this Latvian team, it could see the pressure was just on them. And I don't think they were really ready or maybe Mark didn't tell them this story in order to deal with that. I'm curious your thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it'd be, it's interesting because some teams talk strategy at that moment and some say maybe cliche things and then some know exactly what their partner needs. Like some need to be called out. Like, I don't know if you heard sponsor. Right? She goes to Kelly. Obviously, she's just a little rattled and she goes to Kelly. She's like, I need to be better, but you're doing great. Word for word. And if you're and Kelly doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything. And I might if I'm Kelly, I'm like, oh. She's she's in the tank a little bit. Fair enough. If she's telling me I need to be better, you're great. Uh, she needs to be like, I don't know, maybe she's just like, you know what? I believe in you. You'll get this done or whatever. I got to say, child, during our um, – and I, I don't know if I've ever even told him this. Maybe I should face to face. But during our uh, – we st- we were in the Olympic run, and then that season we were going down and down. We weren't you know, sure if I was going to get it done. And, you know, that guy, you know, he owes me nothing, never was my coach or anything like that. And he's like, you'll get it done. You'll get it done. That's all I needed to hear. And I was like, oh, yeah? Like, you believe me or something? And that's all it takes. So based on you got to know what – if you say the wrong thing, your partner, you're going to fold them up without even meaning to. And if you say the right thing, you can, you know, bring them out of the depths. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear how they their relationship, I guess, what, what they what they need. So how do you build that before, though? Because I think the camera and the timeout is a cool thing. But to me, there's no perfect thing to say in those moments. Right. Like if you're down, what were we down? 14, 11. Like, I don't think Mel's going to say something to Sarah and all of a sudden she's going to fire up. Right. But what are you building like for equity to use the Steve Delaney term? Like, what are you building in equity and training maybe or in other games? Like, how can you build for these moments? Because, Garrett, maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't identify it or they didn't address it or they weren't ready for those pressure moments. But I think when you're in that moment, there's no perfect solution. I think you got to like you almost have to front load it and pull from what you've anchored to before. Well, you're not necessarily going to get the job done. Like you can say things and get yourself in a better space, but you still have to deliver. And there's another team trying to prevent you from not delivering. Right. But you still need to go out there and be prepared to perform your best. And that is totally within your control. So I disagree that there's not a perfect thing to say. You should know what to say because you're preparing for that moment would be my opinion. Like I I should, if I'm a professional athlete, I've got to be preparing to be in a quarterfinal at the Olympics and be challenged. What am I going to do that's going to get me to perform my best when I'm in that position, right? That's why we do all the training. That's why we do all this stuff. We have coaches. We talk for hours. We do the mental training. It's for that moment. And I would, I just wonder, you know, were we ready? Maybe we were, and we just got beat. And that's, That's a tougher pill to swallow in some ways, but I I question, I'm not sure, were we really ready for that moment? Because it didn't look like we had some strategies or we were trying to, you know, get around it, right? We're just in it, working it. I don't know if it seemed that way to you guys. Maybe that's harsh. Well, how do you, how do you really prepare for that moment training here? Uh, Or unless you're in that moment before and the bed and then you take a hard look yourself and your partner and you'd be like, 
you know, because I was always the guy when I played with Maddie coming up, I'd be like 15, 13, always lose. I'd always be, always be me. 15, 13, last run of qualifier. And I was like, in my mind, I didn't want to admit that I got nervous. I got tight. I'd make her. I'd be like, oh, the set was off. It was windy. My stomach hurt, toe, whatever, you know. And it wasn't until, you know, we had whatever relationship coach would be like, no, you would get, you know, you'd jack in early, you'd get under it, you'd be all tense. And that was the difference versus you lose your poise. So, yeah, to your point, Garrett, how do you stay poised in that moment? And then, yeah, you need your partner to find out, do you call mad at you? You know, if I'd be like, you missed your assignment, dive angle, you know, you show him you're pissed and then he hates when you get called out and then he does it. He's like, you like that? I'm like, yes, you know, but I do that to Sam and and then it shuts down. Whereas I'm telling Sam, if he makes a mistake, I was like, but you're the best player in the damn court, you know? And then he he is, but he's got to believe it. And then he shows it. So it's like, well, that's exactly how you prepare for a Josh. You've just explained it right there. You learn (laughs) over the course of your time together. I mean, experience is beneficial for that reason is because you've dealt with all these situations. I find it hard to believe that two teams who are in the top 10 in the world haven't, like found something new in that moment. You know what I mean? We've been to world championships. We've been playing together a long time with different partners. We've been playing on the world tour and grand slams all over the world, different conditions, whatever. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we were ready and we just got beat. I don't, I don't think so though. Cause I, I feel like those, those teams know each other well enough. They've, they've gotten success, but they've also struggled to have some tools in their toolbox to pull out when they need them. And to me, it just seemed like we were kind of, and this is something I did a lot in my career is stuck trying to do the same thing when, you know, like over and over again, tell myself the same thing, say the same thing to my partner. When clearly we lost the first at 21, 16, we're in a fight here. It's 10 all it's not working. Right. Like I, I think we had more, I'm just not sure, you know, where, where was it? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And the thing is, that's the biggest moment. Even world. This is bigger than worlds, kind of, because so, you know, they've never been in this moment. So now everything's a little bit more fragile. And if you say the wrong thing, you might and they're already like on edge. And, you know, especially I don't know, like like you were saying with Sarah, she's not used to being the one kind of quote unquote, being challenged and giving up or whatever. So what's Mel going to do? Sarah is usually the alpha. And so how does, you know, so she's supposed to say what to her, be like challenger. And then she'll be like, Whoa, sorry. Or she's like, you're the best. And be like, don't patronize me. Or maybe she, maybe she needs that. I don't know, but you're right. That's it's, you're right. The only way you do that is through experience. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to feel like I'm coming down on the ladies when they're down. I'm just in it with them. Josh, if you talk to them, put in your scouting report or your debrief from the Olympics that uh, we're all we're all with them. But you can mention us by name as well. I think you can let them know that it was actually us. <laughs> we're dealing with the same thing. I mean, just so they know. Um, if you call Marquise, you're going to get the same story. But if you call Binner and Garrett, they'll they'll let you know. They'll tell you the truth. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. You'll hear it fresh we'll from us. Yeah. I, I mean, I would tell it to all three of those women, Except for Sarah, I would probably be like, no, you know what, Sarah, you, you, cause it looked like she knew after the match, I watched her. It looked like she, she knew immediately, like what was going on. She was emotional. I could tell I felt for her. Cause it was like, yeah, you didn't have that many chances in the game. The ones you did, you struggled with, like you didn't, you know, you maybe missed a few, didn't get the blocks you wanted, didn't get the aces you wanted. And, uh, and she knew it was just like, man, that was the chance. And, and it just wasn't there. So I felt terrible about that actually i still do yeah yeah that's different too because she knows and we all i mean she is the best one of it, the best if not one of the best of the top two whatever uh players in the world so not many people can say that so 
you know, comes with that comes, you know, higher obvious expectations. So I think we've all, yeah, felt for her. Um, and you know, there's not much else you can do at that point other than, okay, we're getting too sad. Josh, Josh is too sad. I'm going to segue. Speaking of high expectations, how about this for a segue, you guys into our next topic, which is related. Speaking of high expectations, my expectations for certain members of this whole production of the Olympics are sky high. Mine are, I don't know about you guys. Maybe we can get into this, but I'm talking about the referees and it's felt like, and correct me if I'm Uh-oh. wrong, Josh, cause you got all the stats and you watched probably way more games <laughs> than I did, but it felt like every game there was a call by a ref that was, huh? What at the Olympics we're dealing with that uh, indoors too. I'm not going to leave beach on an Island by itself indoors as well. And we have the video replay. And for those who don't know, there was a controversial video replay that happened in one of Team Canada's games against Sponsel and Clay. Heather and Brandy were talking about it. They got the challenge. And I don't even know they got it right. Like, we, did we even get the video replay right? So curious your guys' thoughts on that. Josh, maybe you got a better analogy than me because I didn't see as many. But the ones I saw, it was like, what the hell is going on at the Olympics? Well, there, there's so many layers to it, Garrett. I think the, the one that set the table for me was uh, Mexico, Russian pool play. Mexico's down like seven in the third set, comes back to tie, and they're in like a break point, like back and forth, back and forth. And I think they lose 18-16 on a lift call, which Gaxiela Rubio oh, the didn't change set. their setting. They didn't change their setting the whole game. It was just normal. Like the ref had to kind of establish like that's the way they take the ball in and stuff, and they get called for hands on game point. Uh, there was a game, I think it was the Russia women, they lost to Latvia in their pre-quarter. The Russia girl won a joust, but then was called for over breaking the plane on a Joe spinner. I've never seen that before. I don't know if you've seen that before. Tons of hands calls like the it, it just seemed like weird moments. But Garrett, the funny one, the, uh, it's not funny, but it is funny. The USA Canada one. Um, I, I'm in a coaching group on Facebook with a bunch of Americans. Apparently, their How TV feed was that? different let's, than us. Let's get in that. Uh, oh, I can in invite you. It, it's a volleyball coaches and trainers. Like it's <laughs> yeah, like, pretty. Well, you're not inviting. Like, okay, I'll invite you, but, uh, Let's stir it up. Dr. Coach Josh Binstock and G-Unit into that group. Come on, bud. So it started a conspiracy, right? Because when you're watching in Canada, they're blaming the video operator and they said it was ball in, ball out. But in Canada, we saw the whole video. So we were puzzled about like the video thing. Apparently on the NBC feed, I wasn't watching it, but they were saying the camera cut after the ball in thing. So they're all losing their minds thinking they didn't see the ball out double decision. They thought that Canada challenged the challenge of the challenge and that they thought like the ref was in on it. Like there was all these conspiracies flying around. And finally it took a guy being like, hey, I'm from Canada. I was watching a different feed. It showed up on the same video clip because it was like ball in and then ball out all on the same stream where they thought no it was this magical thing that we challenged the challenge and then they switched it for us and it was this big uh american got screwed thing so it was just it added to the layer of the controversy that i think anyone who was watching that game went to twitter or went to facebook and was talking about it that night where garrett i don't even know if we did get it right like i have they could have called the ball in or out and i would have nodded my head and been like yeah i can see that i have two things i want to talk about with this ref (laughs) thing and i want to get both your thoughts on this was the ball in or out on that replay? If you haven't seen it and you're listening, you got to go check it out. I found kind of a gif of uh, of it happening, right? And it takes it through the the it's the round of 16 women's beach volleyball Olympics, Canada, USA. Go look it up. Was the ball in or out? Take a stance right now, both of you guys. And everybody think did the did the line move? No, I don't think it. Did. I mean, did it? You tell me. I, I haven't seen the actual video. I just saw that still shot. Right. With, 
But that you can't you can't use that because that looks in. But if the but you know if the line doesn't move, it's out. Well, so okay, I didn't think the line moved, but my dad is adamant that the line moved. Ah, well, there you go. It's not like I don't even think it's that clear. It's maybe the closest it could ever be. But I mean, I'll tell you what I think. I think it was 100 percent in, and I'll tell you why. Even if there's not a frame of the video that shows it hitting the line, because maybe it hits it for one frame and it didn't catch that moment because it's the grainiest camera of all time. Like we don't have high 60 frame per second cameras at the Olympics. Like, what are we doing? We got like 22 frames per second on this stupid camera, the ball traveling at kilometers and out. Like, are you kidding me? Anyways, even if it didn't, when you look at that still, when you're on the court, when you're playing in practice, when you're playing a game, you're a player. That's in nine times out of 10. You're calling that in. There's no way you'd argue it, but you're calling that in. You see the ball mark. You see everything there. You're calling that in. Like it looked in the ball mark in ball mark. No. Well, you'd see an overlap on the line. Potentially. They didn't show us the ball mark. How could they not show us the ball mark? Because they're looking at they the replay. They're thinking, oh, it's the replay. The line level, and you see the ball going this way, and it just keeps showing it over and over but again. They but they never the- showed aerial? No. No. This is what oh. I'm saying. is like, I think it was in, and I think the ball mark potentially would have shown that it was in. And when we go and look, that's what we're, as players, that's what we do. You go and look, and I mean, if you're Brandy and Heather, you argue that. But my vote would be in. And I mean... It's a tough way to to kind of lose that third set for that team. Not that it was the last point, but what was the score at that point? So that would have made it 12-12. So that put us up 13-11. So that was a big swing. And then Sponsel lost her head a little bit and shanked a ball. So then all of a sudden they're down 14-11. I think they side out and then we beat them 15-13. Hold on, maybe. hold on. The Americans didn't call a timeout after getting I know, like, I don't know why they didn't. I have no idea why they, they didn't one. do that. Well, they, they had a timeout too. Yeah. They could. Well, there's experience. I don't know why they didn't do that. So, but they, cause they gave well, one they were up 10, four in the second and lost. That's experience too. Like they were slapping us in the second set. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Right. So you guys haven't yet taken a stance. Like, what are you calling Josh? You saw the still. I thought it was out. I honestly thought it was out. You thought it was out well, because the replay doesn't show it hitting the line. It doesn't show it hitting the line. People say that like the sand on the line move, but couldn't that just be wind from the ball? Like the, the, I don't think the line actually jumped. I think the ball mark would have technically been out of bounds. I think it was as close as you can hit it with not catching the line, but I think it was still out. True loyal Canadian coach right there. I mean, well done, Josh. I mean, you got to say that. If you said anything else, I think we'd say you're fired. Well, yeah. the lines person called it out. The video review person thought it was out and the head official obviously didn't overturn it either. Right. So, I mean, but if you're the up ref, how do you overturn that when the lines person and the video review operator said ball out? Well, they're so, all I mean, idiots. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> is, is that not the point here? Is that especially once they said, yes, challenge successful. Oh, uh, just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did you think, Josh? Binstock, you saw the image. Was it in or out? Yeah, the still image looks in, but if the line didn't move on the video, it's out. But I got I haven't seen the line. The so still image is pretty damning because basically half the ball is over top of the line. Like it just looks like it's way, way in. But it, the video, you're right. It doesn't really. It's t- it's tight. 
Yeah, I will it. say I like that camera view better than when indoor goes to like the animated version. And it's like, I don't really know if that's actually what the ball did. Somebody could just be making it up. Like, I don't like the, the animated tennis thing. I do like the ball and the camera. But in the beach one, like you said, Josh, if we had an aerial view, that would have settled it in a hurry. But we had like a ground view on the end line. So it didn't really settle it. So I've done some research on that technology, actually, that they do for the tennis and they'd had for the indoor. That's not lasers. Like people just kind of assume it's some sort of sensor or laser. It's not at all. They just 3D render the path of the ball based on all the cameras they have on the court. So that's not necessarily where the ball went either. Like it's not you even know, they should use that, whether it's right or wrong. At least it definitively shows and people are like, oh, look at that technology. Uh, how you can argue with that. Right, exactly. Everybody thinks it's right. So it's like, perfect. I, I, I yeah. respect that. But why don't we have yeah. that on the sand? Oh, indoors, they got a million cameras. Right. Why don't we get the grainy ass cameras on the beach like shafted? Sorry, I'm back on Isn't that. <laughs> I got to always. On. OK, now my second point, because I guess. I'm outnumbered on that one. I felt it was in. You guys felt it was out, but you guys are loyal Canadians. Well done. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> All right, you gotta. Big um, hallmark. Big hallmark. My other point on the hands calls, and I may be alone in this, and I'm an old school guy, Josh. You know, like I, you know, the dish, like the deep dish setting. Huge fan of that. Love that kind of tight hands call. I grew up in that. That was kind of you know with my my team around me. I was like, yeah, that was the style, right? But. When you watch as a spectator, I'm a fan now. I don't, I'm not around. I'm a fan. So when I watch and they call it on hands and then they slow the replay down and it looks fine. You cannot see any difference on the replay, right? Like, did it come to rest? I don't know. Is it a double? Like, it doesn't look like a double. Like, why are they calling it at all is my question. What unfair advantage is there to calling hand setting at all when everybody for the most part is setting it great. Well, what I didn't like is they didn't really show that they had a feel for the match because a lot of the hands calls were happening late in like yes. pressure moments. Like Melissa gets called in the third set and then they call the Australian girl or Kelly got called late in the third set too. It's like, why all of a sudden is this standard below? But in the second set, it comes out spinning and you're like, oh, play on. Like, yeah. I, that's what I didn't like is they, we don't want like a robot on the stand. I get that we, we like the human, but the human should be able to feel the flow of the match and understand when it is where it felt like they were waiting for like a clutch moment. It's like, now I got to get involved. Now somebody's going to be on the net or we're going to call hands. Like it just, it, it was the worst moments every time something happened yeah i agree that I, actually it's funny you say that about mexico but i'm watching this match i was like look at these guys they're coming back and i'm watching it as a fan of the game i would i want to be playing in there and i'm like this is unbelievable i can't wait to see how it ends and that's how it ends I was, I called actually Hebert right away. I was like, dude, and you know, I got to be careful. I'm on the athletes commission. I don't want to get kicked out, you know, year one here, but I got to say something. I'm going to bring it up because you're right, Garrett, as a fan, no fan wants to see it. end like that, and you know what, if it was, if he's diving fine, and that's even fine because I can't tell you how many times I put Schachter in these random situations, he's diving, but he still pulls off the set and the refs are ready to call it based on their footwork. And then he actually is like, Oh, it's pretty good. So the fact that Rubio, he's not even he's not under pressure he's not he's like waiting for the ball and he sets it money yeah gary then the, the replay shows and you're like this this couldn't be worse for the sport so i that's bad well that's, yeah like we bad. we know too like i would i've argued with refs i've argued with players so you same thing we've argued probably a few times about the handset yeah because we know what the standard is what you expect you're always trying to find it because you want to be your best when you have if you're not us and you have no idea. You're just a fan. Like my my girlfriend's family, 
They like watching volleyball. I mean, they get hand setting, but like they don't really know. I mean, do I? I don't even really know, but I mean, I know more. But they see and they're like, I have no idea what happened there. I have no idea what and happened then, there. One team gets the point and, then, and the other team doesn't for no obvious reason. They just stop the play. And then it looks like you're like, wait, these people are professionals and they can't execute a basic <laughs> skill. These are the best in the world and they can't do a basic volley. Like I do that in my rec league yeah. and nobody calls me on hands. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I would like to know what the rest were called because I talked to Sam about that too. And he was saying that they were letting all, everything yeah. a lot. Yeah. This season. Uh, and then all of a sudden the, the Olympic games and the world's watching, they, they tighten up that that's terrible. Well, so I'll take it one step further and this is maybe going to be a little bit controversial, but I've kind of had this thought and opinion back in the back of my mind for a while and more for indoor more for indoor because Nick Hogue got called on a brutal hand setting violation in the end of a tight set in their quarterfinal as well. It wasn't the one that ended the the set, but it was the one before they put it away for the win, which was just awful, awful. But on the beach too, like I used to, as a player think, no, don't change the hand setting rules. It's a barrier to entry for less skilled, less ball control players. You need to meet a certain standard to just be able to hand set. Otherwise, Hey, you got a bump set, figure it out. I liked that as a player, as a fan. I don't even know why we call hands at all. I don't even know yeah. why we ever do it. What is the point? Don't call it. I get a lift, like a held ball. Like if you catch it and throw it like, you know, whatever, or if you like, hang on to it, I get, we need that. Cause you can't, it's not handball. Like you can't, you know, we can't do that, but why are we calling doubles or held balls on like technically fine sets? I think we should get rid of that completely would be my opinion. And I'm, I'm putting it out there now. <laughs> bold Garrett bold. Uh, when I was at the OVA, we actually got rid of that for 16 U and under as long as they were facing the direction they're setting. It, it can't be a double. Cause we agreed like it's not an advantage to set your partner a double. And what was happening at the youth age is they don't want to lose points. So all of a sudden nobody's learning how to handset because you're the brave 15 year old. And all of a sudden the player ref is hands or the other team's yelling, Oh, that, that's a lift or all this stuff. So yeah, I agree that like lifting or catching there's, there's you're cheating the rules there, but the double thing, I don't, but think. does anybody complain at that age? Oh, we don't oh, have coaches emails. Oh yeah, a lot of people complain. Oh, they complain. It's weird. Like more, more so like coaches and older people, not the kids who were actually being affected by it. Which is, I think, just the way it goes. Yeah, it's the, the old farts who remember how we used to do it, where it was like, oh no, it's got to be perfect or get the heck out of here. And it's like, <laughs> no, like who cares? We're trying to be a sport. Imagine in basketball, like that's the reason why they don't call travels as much in basketball. It's because nobody wants to see it. Who cares? Like kind of, right? I can't believe actually I was surprised, not pleasantly surprised that nobody snapped on the ref. And I, I get the Olympics, the, uh, you're not supposed to do that, but I mean, that actually happened to me and I'm I can't back to me. Of course it gotta be all yeah, about absolutely. my here. Hey, don't be self-conscious about bringing it back to you now though. Just cause I said, it's totally fine. No, no, we're here for. It. It. <laughs> that happened to me in Austria against uh, Austria first set of our must win match in Rio. And I get called for hands. I never get called, of course. Right. So, uh, they, and I lose it and it's Jonas who's like the gold medal guy, the top guy. And I just snap and it's like, you know, Olympics, you know, you're not supposed to do that. But did he call me again? He doesn't want to get yelled at. On, well, on did TV. you chuck one again? Well, I, good question. I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't put my hands away. I, I may have. But nobody, nobody gave it. No ref wants to get, you know, crapped well, on. That's uh, where you got to say, yeah, I chucked the next six and he still didn't call them because I intimidated him so much. That's true. I got those calls. I know, too. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> be honest, but. 
I agree, but though, I, you know, Josh. Like, I, nobody, because, I mean, that was something I did a lot was lose it on the ref, which was probably bad. I have a bad rep with all those refs. Just ask any of them, Josh. Like, oh, yeah. No, these they, they didn't like it. But, I mean, it, it is part of work. the game in some ways, especially if we are going to make judgment calls like that hands. Like, you got to let somebody know, like, hey, that like you can't do this to me type thing. Like, nobody did it. Yeah. But uh, I would say just take it out completely. Let them, let them chuck it. I don't care. As a fan, While I want to see While we're on the subject, uh, Binner, what was your philosophy? Because when we had uh, Garrett's biological father, John May, on the show, he mentioned that in Garrett's upbringing, John really enforced it in Reed and Garrett that if they got called on hands, they needed an explanation. Like, you were going to go to the ref and understand, like, you called me on hands. Like, you better know your stuff here. And they had to hand set the next ball. Like, John really established that that, that was going to be their mentality. I'm curious with your mentality. Were you going back to the hands right away? Were you a guy who always made the ref know that, like, you're going to call me? Like, we're going to talk about this? Like, what was your mindset if you ever did get called? You know, to his point about competing being a skill, funny enough, I think talking to the ref is a skill, the way you handle the ref. Nobody teaches that. You got to know, are you the rookie or are you the veteran? Is it a blatant call or was it borderline? Uh, yeah, I would, I'd give him, I'd give him, let him know, but depends on how much I let him know was uh, depending on, yeah, who the ref was. I knew the ref, you know, you'd always see him at lunch and be like, hey, a little wink in the gun as you walk by on the way to the court. And then wink it in gives the gun? You- like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Maybe just the wink. I don't want to be too overzealous. <laughs> the gun's too much. You're trying too hard. You know, pull, put no, the I needed away. that because I went overboard a lot. I needed the subtle wink and or gun. I was a wink or gun or nothing yeah. guy. <laughs> and then as I go away, I, you know, I come back one more thing. Give me your sunglass cleaner. I got another thing to tell you. And then I'm cleaning my glasses, but then I'm like, you know what? I'll give you that one, but it's I want one later because you owe me one. Okay, here we go. Thanks for the game, and then away you go. But yeah, I like that. He's right. Uh, you you got to get explanation, hundred percent. But uh, some people maybe I don't know aren't taught that or don't have the confidence or just maybe don't know. But I think that's a huge skill. I, I like that. I proposed a pretty pretty revolutionary radical suggestion about eliminating hands calls and both of you just kind of accepted it and kind of moved on. Nobody called me out. Well, that must mean. That must mean it's valid. That must mean it's a legit thing and we should do it. Absolutely. I think it is valid. In in Nine Man Garrett, there's no hand calls. There's no ball handling stuff. And What do they even do? How do they even play? It creates a mood where you got to earn points and there's no like negotiating. There's no this or all other than like the penetration call, which is the stupidest rule in volleyball. Anyone who plays nine men, why you can't penetrate in a block is the dumbest rule ever. But at least there's no ball handling. There's no ticky tacky stuff. So you actually like you feel like you're competing and it's a challenge and it's always competitive versus, yeah, some youth beach matches. It just turns into who can bully the player ref the most. And if anybody tries to volley, you're going to call them on it. Right. So which I I think is too bad. And we tried to get rid of it when I was at the OVA. I don't know if it's still happening today, but uh, yeah, the, the hands call seems to be something that's almost discouraged. For, for people to try because it costs you points, right? Okay, well, so you, okay, I'll push back on that a little bit. Well, hey, you heard it here first. Josh Nickel, Next Gen National Team head coach, is suggesting we eliminate the hand-setting rule. I, I mean, you, you heard it here on Sharp Cuts. Well, I got to say, I disagree to a point. I think anybody could throw a ball. There's no throwing. What is that? Yeah, that's why it's hard to have a good touch with the pokey and the tip and stuff like that. I think it's got to be a little bit of a That's uh, fine. Skill. And, and even with hand setting, to be honest, uh, I don't think they should get away. I think they should let uh, get rid of lifts for sure. But because it's hard to set you sometimes with bomb spinsers at somebody not trying to get an ace, but you just want that passer to have to deal with the gnarly spin. And it's a hard skill to hand set a dead ball from a ball that's jacked in the air coming down with a crazy spin. So if you can set that with no spin, uh, 
That's good. So I do think that actually they should call lists because any clown can just chuck that up there and put it up there, but it's a hard skill to actually do that. So I agreed to a, to a point, but you know, that's just me. Interesting. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just Josh Binstock. I mean, Olympic beach volleyball player. Yeah. You got, you it's know, a skill. Ask Sam Schachter. All committee member, years. you know, kind of big shooter in Canadian volleyball history. What do you know, Binstock? <laughs> Just my two cents. Hey, what is it worth? What do I know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could do it pretty easily just by what they kind of already started to do probably seven or eight years ago, I guess. You would have still been playing, Josh, when they said, hey, we're going to start letting more doubles go. Like, you know, we're not going to call that as as tightly. And probably, you know, the lift still thing, don't hang on to it for super long, but, you know, let more doubles go. So it's not so much about the spin as it's more about you just don't want guys like taking it from here and throwing it over there type thing. Like, like that's not what you want because now you're playing handball or you're playing basketball, right? Where, you know, no, like you got to be a technical volleyball player. Player, but who gives it how much it spins? Like, how can you double? Like, you hit one hand, then the other. It's a double. Like, I'm hitting it with two hands. Like, it's the dumbest yeah. thing. Like, I'm hitting it with two. It's always a double. I hit it twice, once with each <laughs> hand. I don't get it. No, it's tough. It's tough to set a dead ball. I gotta say, even if you take it from here and shift it, which should be obvious, you are you able to release it to the point where you're putting it up there with no spin. I agree. That's why I kind of liked it. Is like, hey, it's a barrier to entry. Like you got to be skilled to do this. But now I'm on the other side. Nobody's seeing that. Like that's not translating because the set is only a transition to the hit. Like no average fan is sitting there going, wow, like what a beautiful setter, unless it's a tough one, it's way off or it's all over the place. Then you want to see somebody able to get it on and go, wow, what an amazing play that was. Right. So like when it's just a free ball and somebody is like, I don't, I'm not even, I played volleyball and I'm not even watching that. Well, just in case somebody's listening who's not a former national team player like you two, Josh, let's let's set the scene for how important hand <laughs> no, setting is. We're gonna call you out here. National team players. Dinner, who are, who are you you kind of had a reputation that if you were to play with somebody, I, I heard a rumor you would only play with guys who could hand set. That if somebody was a bump setter, <laughs> they were off your list of potential partners. So confirm or deny. And if so, why was the handset so important? If there's any like casual learners or our coaches listening, being like, why do we value the handset so much? Because I think there there is an advantage, right? Oh, wow. I didn't know. That's embarrassing because it's so true. I didn't know that. Was, uh... <laughs> well, there's a few other people who are on Josh Binstock's I won't play with list, but we're, not, we're still handsetting. Okay, well, it wasn't because you couldn't handset. We'll glaze here. over that one. I will just re- breeze past that. I need a low tempo set to my shoulder, no spin, no matter where I pass the ball. If I don't, someone can't do that, I'm not playing with them. Um, but it's just, to be honest, for my style, uh, I've chose like different sets in, out, back, and you can choose that last second. Whereas if you're bump setting, you can't go low, high, back with a bump set. It's tough. So I was a little high maintenance. I didn't have the bomb shoulder, so I had to find different ways to score. So that was kind of the main main reason for that. Well, way to way to be honest with us there, Josh, and not give us some BS answer and way to just lay it out there and just give it all <laughs> all. I mean, how can we chirp you for that? That's just full honesty. Cut off guard. It's there. just out there. Know. Yeah, like you're disarming me with your vulnerability here. Like, God. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to have some armor, but I wasn't prepped for it. Well, now I got to chirp you for your vulnerability. Like now you're taking me <laughs> off guard. Like, as you're being so, oh my gosh. Like, That's the Eminem eight mile move at the last thing where you chirp yourself. And then he's like, yeah, I got nothing. I, I have nothing. Yeah. You took it all away. Yeah. I mean, you like, yeah. and it's a sharp cut. So I mean, it's as awful for the show. If you're still listening, thank you so much. I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, Josh, no, not wait. No, uh, 
Me, you, him, you, me. Me, me him, him Nickel. Me, me. Yeah. So we expect then that you're going to implement a hand-setting only rule at practice from now on because Josh Binstock said it was what you need to do. But we're also going to say that there's no lifts or doubles being called because you have the influence, right? Like you're the guy. Gotta be well, we, we do handset every day, uh, and I think you're going to start seeing that trend a little bit more in the women's game because I think as you're watching the Olympics, it's it's coming. I, I think if you were to watch uh, go far back as like 1996 Olympics, there's not a lot of women handsetting there, right? So I think now that's trending a little bit more. I think the they're improving their skills. Yeah, crazy. let the girls like, cook, man. Let the girls yeah, cut. Let them dish the butter and don't call them on hands. Like, don't but do I think it. It's a, as a youth coach, you got to encourage it because if they don't try it, they're never going to get good at it. And you don't want a 20 year old who doesn't has never used their hands. Right. Because then they can't play with Josh Winstock and they're not going to have a good partner and they're not going to go to the Olympics. And then it's just it's a rude awakening. It's a it's, it is a barrier to entry still, Garrett. So I think you got to encourage it up to a certain point. But I think in the OVA, we did cap it at 16. You where like an 18 year youth open an adult like there. There is a barrier to entry. We just wanted to encourage the kids to give it a shot. Now, yeah. have either of you guys ever seen somebody because, you know, when you're playing a tournament, even an organized tournament, players have to ref themselves. Right. And so we're talking about hand setting. Have you ever seen a guy just get super pissed and then just start calling a guy on hands every time just to <laughs> hold him up and cause him to lose the game? He's the ref. Like you're refing another player and you just take over and take control and force a team to lose. <laughs> I'm happy to report. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Yes, it happened to me. You in did. The States. Manhattan Beach. Somebody did that to you. They're like, oh, this Canadian guy is handset every time. Oh, this is this is old school or Manhattan Beach. I think the one year AVP didn't have some. So Karch steps in with his Corona oh, wide open. I play with Matt Prosser of Beauty. We get to the final. They're like, who's this pasty guy with the lobster? Rosie's Raiders. We're playing him. They're all around us. So they couldn't be more ruthless, loud. Everybody's like sitting right beside you. It's like old school style. And every time I set the ball, the whole beach is like, boom, just erupts. And I'm like, oh, this better not cost me. Sure enough. Yeah, third set, whatever the refs calls me on one of those things. And I just I was like, you're getting influenced by these guys. Just lose my mind. But, you know, I was like, here we go. So classic. Yeah, they, they knew they were going to make you lose that game. I mean, yeah, there was no winning. There was no beating Rosie. I mean, Manhattan Beach in his court. And yeah, I mean, especially when you're taking it as low as you do. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did it every time. I was like, Rich, it was amazing. Nobody called. The, I love playing with him because he never got called because, and he'll probably tell you to, he lifted it every time, but that's normal for him. Redmond, child, they were, they were just, it was, it was standard. Just do it, it every here. time. And <laughs> what, hey, what, what? you going to call me every time? Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm not changing. So this is how I do it. What if they did? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, Josh, you got to like, be telling those cut. national team guys, hey, help each other out when you're self-refing just call the other team on hands four five six seven times in a set just get him the win for sure yeah make him change he'll change eventually he'll just start bump setting and then he's garbage because i mean that's it i mean they're all garbage yeah. anyway <laughs> oh that was another thing i i, I wanted to bring up which i thought was appealing or funny uh when you guys were talking about getting to practice getting there early you're walking on yes okay way to bring that up i'm ready to bury josh 100 let's go what, what the, the part of the story that people don't understand garrett is you might be getting there at seven but you're done by eight we're still training for two hours just because we're not like racing <laughs> no no the people, the part of the story that people hard. don't understand is that i could totally be lying like i could 100 be lying and not telling the truth <laughs> Sorry, right, Vince Doc, you had something you wanted to uh, chime in there. Maybe you've seen Josh <laughs> lead terrible practices before. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had the pleasure, unfortunately. I've heard great things, but uh, I haven't had the pleasure. Not for me. 
No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not you. But, uh, you know, I, I love that you call calling out the, the casualness. You know what? Maybe you and I should go to practice, show these guys how to start. I don't know how what the you, skill wait, will be. No, you are the king of casual practices, Ben Stock. What are you talking about? You had a what? full two hour practice. That's like a casual walk in the park. Well, I'll get there when the net happens to be set up. But once the <laughs> net is set up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, That's guys, what I'm talking about. Late. Don't be listening to this guy, Josh. I mean, I mean, he had success. So, I mean, maybe, maybe DVP, I'm doing it wrong. The DVP, I would have been there earlier. The DVP was rammed. Right. I couldn't get there to help <laughs> the set DVP up the net. The DVP is always rammed every time. Gosh, maybe I should, I'll maybe I should I'll be listening to Binstock and be doing like just the kind of focus, casual practices. Cause I, I might've done way better. It's all how you frame it. I mean, your biological father, John May, shows up at like 8.05 for an 8 o'clock practice. But when we asked him about it, he's just like, well, I expect the athletes to be ready to compete. I expect them to be warm when I arrive. So when I go, like, it's all work. Like, he, he brushed it off that basically he's he's too big time to watch athletes set up a net or help with the lines or anything, right? So maybe that's how I need to frame it, Garrett, is when I arrive, like, it, it's business time and we're going to start. Yeah, but that's not the case, though. Oh, you're saying you need to make it the case. <laughs> I need to make it the case. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think you should bury Felipe. Because it's an easy scapegoat and be like, oh, Felipe, yeah. When, if Felipe's there and I'm not, you can fool around all you want. But when I get there, it's it's go time. And I think you should start with some high-intensity short court. Get the competition flowing yes. already. Yes, okay. Did you do that? We got a fan okay. of the show in Josh Binstock. And I mean, Josh, I'm honored that you listen to our show and are bringing up past arguments that we've had on the show. Love it's amazing. It. Love it. Binner, was that your warm-up game of choice? Because I would say the warm-up game of choice right now is a version of like standing. So either like the ball has to touch the net once or there's like just some different rule changes about like standing games. I don't see the short court era as much as, you know, I, I think Child and Heath were most famous, but even like you and Redmond in your era, I think would play a ton of short court where I don't see the, the guys today. That's not like, hey, would you guys pick the warm-up game today? They don't all yell, yeah, let's play short court. Well, you're the coach, not- though. <laughs> No, I can assign it sometimes, but when we give the athletes autonomy, Garrett, and we give them choice, they want to do some variation of a standing game. Right. Fair. Uh, I think both are due because when you're playing standing game, yeah, you got to get the touch for the ball. But when else do you learn net play, joust, tools, fake outs? You can't teach that. I've never proud of drill where it's like, okay, we're doing joust. And ask Sam Schachter, that guy won't lose a joust because I used to beat him all the time. And then he kind of figured things out. And now uh, he's the ultimate net guy, especially as a smaller player, to be honest. Um, That's like, I remember playing Houston Child. Yeah, they wouldn't give you anything. One, you're already starting to gain the practice. Like, you know, you're already like fired up because you either got smoked or you like almost had a chance or something. But two, uh, small guys, like these Polish guys, they are just like tacticians. Every time it's tight, Lupo, that guy doesn't try to crush a ball, reset it, all joust, and then reset. So in terms of uh, standing game, I think it's great, but it doesn't work on the same skills as short court. I mean, it's a great great logical point and i mean i think it's excellent but you know those aren't welcome here on the show like trying to bring logic to this emotional <laughs> fight like it's just not really gonna work i mean it's, it's all a great about point. the mental warfare yeah it's a great point but i mean it's too logical for this i mean josh i think you guys aren't standing because they're lazy asses is what they are and they're saying coach i don't want to have to jump at 8 a.m in the morning i'd rather do standing so i don't have to actually be warm and jump so i'm calling them out not you I'm calling them out, those lazy asses. Well, I mean, it's all part of it, Garrett. I, I think this would have more 
more emphasis, I think it would be a stronger point if you would come to practice and maybe demonstrate a, a short court tournament or, or just get involved a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. Josh is available. Uh, I think Rich maybe is available this time of year. We could get the boys out and maybe get a short court demo going. I think mm-hmm. Marquise would love the invite. He's probably just waiting by his phone the whole time, waiting for the short court. Oh, uh, okay. You know what? We'll start with this. Go John May against Julie and Shanice. <laughs> This guy has all the callbacks. He's our listener, Garrett. We're going to have no listeners this week because he's on the show. This so time. the guy listening to the show is Josh Binstock. We found our listener, Josh. We found him. <laughs> I was always there, guys. I was always there. I, love I agree. We'll get a full lineup going and we'll we'll get the pay-per-view. We'll get the whole thing going. We'll stream it live. We'll have actually good commentary because we'll be mic'd ourselves up. Because that's the right. only way you're going to get that. Well, my dad versus Julie Gordon on one court, and then we'll just have, we'll just fill it with the rest of bangers. And Josh, you got to get in there, right? Yeah, we'll take on. Uh, oh, which Josh? Both of you. That's why I said Josh. <laughs> I think the last time I played short court, John Child was my partner, and we laid a beating on our 18 year boys team at Lee Side, and I didn't do anything right. Like John Child is unbelievable. As he's chirping me, like yelling, "I'll save you!" As he just sets you like the perfect 50 50 ball, and you do like a dirty wipe. Like he is, he is unbelievable at short court. Wait, I've never you seen do a dirty like wipe, it. and he, you're you're giving him the credit for the set. If you would have saw my first contest, no, you, you expect that from your partner. I'm doing the work here, wiping it off. You better set me like that, 100. <laughs> percent Okay, where are the passes? Okay, so we get John versus Mark. That's another court because that would be a battle for the ages. Absolutely. I mean, Dan and I used to go at it too. We had one uh, when we were in uh, St. Where were we? St. Petersburg? No. Russia. I don't know. We were somewhere. And we had just an intense short court game before the tournament. And it gets emotional, right? Like, that's your part. And the first time, too. Vince Locke, I don't know if you can comment on that, but the first time you have that with maybe a new partner or – you played a mm. while, but that first time you have like, oh, like, we're, like, we're, this is intense. Like, we both really want to yeah. win this. And one of you yeah. wins and the other doesn't. It's like, oh, you know, like, hey, oh, yeah. good game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right. It was super yeah. awkward in that moment when I kicked his ass, obviously. But uh, <laughs> it, it, like it's it, it was tough to deal with. Bring him back. He's been he's been spewing about that for years. He's ready for a rematch. Yeah, he's well. going to be in on it, too. Yeah, well, he'd kick and my Delaney, ass of course. So, you know, you guys are going to beat Jake and Will. So, yeah, like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, what a what a. Thank you, Ben Stock, for coming on and validating everything I've said up until this episode, and then calling me out for my hand setting rule. Gosh, you know what? We're taking it a step farther, Garrett. You and I are teaming up for provincial championships. We're going to win this damn thing. Let's go! You heard it here first. It's happening, one hundred percent. Let's go. Josh ignored me for his entire career, and then now he wants to team up. I'm fired up about it. I'm fired up about it. Let's go. I need to get in shape though, actually, because you're probably in better shape than me right now, and I'm embarrassed. Well, I uh, would love to agree, but hey, how long do we have? Ten days? What is it? Two weeks away? (laughs) (laughs) That's all we need. Okay. Vince talk may ever happen, even like on a training court at a selection camp or anything. You guys have never been paired together. One time, one time, uh, we played. You know when they do the king of the court at the national team tryout, and I, I was in a pool with you and uh, Martin and somebody else. I forget. And we, I think we won. But then I played oh, yeah. with Martin, and that was the time, Josh, where Martin went to me because I was the kid, right? And Martin goes, uh, yes, homie! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I mean, cool, yeah. Yeah, you got to go in it. <laughs> Shirt off, of course. That was the time. Off. That was the one time. So, you know what? Yeah, no. What do you mean I ignored you? What do you, you never asked me. I never said no. What are you talking one about? One time, I only asked you to play with me one time. 
Um, so you're right. I didn't ask you a ton. I probably should have. I asked you one time and you did say no. Why? Well, you, that was when you partnered up with Rich. Ah. And, you know, I can see. I was a defender then. I can see the, uh, the, the benefits there of the big guy <laughs> for sure. I mean. If I totally would have if I wanted to block, but I was I was I know you're like yeah. Code. Well, hey, I get it. I didn't want to block either. That's why I was asking <laughs> you. <laughs> it's too much work. You got to run up. Yeah, I was like, I only play with split blockers now. That's that's the only thing. Well, Binstock, we've had a blast with you, man. I mean, we could keep going forever, but like the longer this thing goes, the more I got to edit. And if we swear late in the episode, Josh has got to edit it out. So like, oh, it's the worst. Oh no, yeah, I, uh, this is this is where it ends. And someone just hit the nice. Okay, we're getting a tour of Binstock's house, so that means we probably got to get out of here (laughs) before he shows us something sensitive here. Holy, a bird just smoked my window. (laughs) This is, we don't edit this stuff out, people. Like, you get this on the show. If you're still listening, thank you so much. And future Josh Binstock, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've had such a great time having you on. We, We didn't argue a ton. And I feel good about that. A little bit. I feel validated about that. Whereas when Logan was on last week, I just feel like we were buttonheads the entire time. And we got people fired up. Anyway, we could go on all day, Josh's. That was fun. Anything you want to say uh, before we end the show? What's that? Anything we want to say before we end the show? Well, I got to say that I am missing competing watching this and hearing that you saying that you could you and Delaney could take Jake and Will. Delaney was a little quiet there. I, even even I get it. He's not training, but, you know, classic, you know, Delaney would have been like, yep, we'll kill him all the time. But now he's the coach. He's got to, you know, he's got a little bit more of a public image to uphold. So I'll sub in for him and we're doing it. Well, maybe we'll go to practice and play short court first. See how it goes. Yeah, well, we'll go head to head and just bury each other and then just fold up completely. But then we'll be prepared is what what <laughs> uh, that'll right. be the prep preparation. So. I mean, there's no bump setting allowed, though. That's that. Nobody's going to call well, you. No, anyway. bu- no bump setting. <laughs> oh, by me. No, I got a handset. Remember? Oh, and Nobody's me. Gonna call I got it. Anyway. Oh, good thing I got. I dished the butter. But uh, I'll be getting served. So you'll, you'll say it. it'll be fine. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Josh, for being with us again. And uh, as always, we're on YouTube, Sharp Cuts Volleyball. Hit us up there. Um, Josh, I mean, anything you want to hype? Well, I do want to thank the listeners who reached out after the Logan Mend episode. It did get heated. Some people mentioned that it was entertaining. You know, friends became enemies. Enemies became friends, Garrett. So I think this one's a little bit more calm, but it was great to hear Josh's perspective. We didn't get into it, but we do appreciate the comments. And and feel free to reach out if you're a listener, because uh, we love hearing from you guys. All right. Well, that'll do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening, watching, and we'll see you next time.